So it's like when Ben heard the room is a great film, he's like, okay, I believe Rachel. I didn't know, Rachel, no. Rachel has a doctorate. She's bound to know what she's talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did right? Did you think I was like, like legitimately a great film? No. Okay, that's no. All right. I knew it was a shit film yeah. because of stuff I'd seen on YouTube. Yeah. But um, okay. I don't know why. I'd, I'll just save it for <laughs> okay. this podcast then. Um, okay. Yeah. Is is Ben struggling to be pleasant to me at the minute? No, it's not you. It's just uh, I I just have this utter hatred for that film. Okay. Right I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny, what's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. <sighs> what? Well, did you? No, it's not true. Don't even ask. What's new with you? Well, I'm just sitting up here thinking, you know? I got a question for you. Yeah. You think girls like to cheat like guys do? What makes you say that? I don't know. I don't know, I'm just... I'm just thinking. I don't have to worry about that because Lisa's loyal to me. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Yeah, you can say that again. You're listening to Cinepunked, interactive discussions for film lovers. This episode... Oh, hi, Cinepunked. I'm Ben Simpson, and I'm joined by Dr. Rachel Kelly. Oh, hi, Rachel. I did not... And Robert J.E. Simpson. Oh, hi, Robert. I don't want to talk about it. Which actually is pretty much how I feel about this. We are only doing this show because Rachel has been at me for months about doing The Room. Um, I am in so much trouble with my Cinepunk collaborators this week. Oh, yes, you are. (laughs) (sighs) So, depending on when you're listening to this... Uh, you may be aware that James Franco has just uh, directed and starred in uh, a film called The Disaster Artist, which is basically a, a telling of the <laughs> the production process behind this 2003 film, The Room. 2003? 2003. Really? Yeah. Because, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it has a reputation, the room itself has a reputation now as being one of the worst films ever committed to celluloid. I believe it's called The Citizen Kane of Bad Movies. Yeah. And I think that's deserved. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure that he intended to craft this. Oh, he certainly didn't as... intend to create The Citizen Kane. Of, he intended to create The Citizen Kane of Movies. Um yeah, just I think it's a testament to to the overwhelming power of self belief and how that can go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, I, I so in the car on the way up here to to recording today, um, I, I I feel I should just address this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Ben since he watched this. Oh God, oh. Uh, he's not very happy with you, Rachel. I'm actually genuinely concerned Ben is going to leap over the mics and murder me today. I want my. Hour and 36 minutes of my life back, please. <laughs> but sadly, that will not happen. Oh my God. There's so many things wrong with this movie. Oh, there's so many things wrong with this movie. There, I don't think there's one single thing that's right about this movie. Except for the fact that it is the perfect storm of God-awfulness. And I think it becomes its own kind of glorious masterpiece just in how absolutely terrible it is. 
Remember, this is Dr. Rachel Kelly you're mm-hmm. talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got PhD in everything in film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need that PhD back. Is it University of Ulster? University of Ulster, yeah. <laughs> Expensive a lot. Um, <laughs> I... I I mean, I, I have said repeatedly that this film has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I, I think I may be a little bit unfair on that. I think that, you know, certain aspects of the production in terms of how it looks, actually, it's 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 vaguely competent in terms of how it's shot. Well, you see, I think that is one of the, the reasons why it just works so well as a genuinely terrible film. I mean, we've all seen sort of these terrible sort of sophomoric efforts. I mean, I was once upon a time a film student. I have made my share of absolutely god-awful films but they don't have anything like the the kind of the 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 I I hesitate to say slickness because I think when we're talking about the room that just has its own unpleasant quality to it but but it's it's a it is a professional uh, film it's shot on 35mm it's shot with a professional crew um, a lot of the sort of the below the line um, crew were jobbing professionals in Hollywood they knew what they were doing it's just the above the line guy that just really didn't get it at all um, and I think when something is that bad you expect it to look like it's been made for pound fifty. But this looks like a $6 million film. Because um, it was a $6 million yeah, film. It's just really, really bad in all creative senses. I mean, the cast are, are, are occasionally doing their best. Um, but nothing could rescue that script. Do you know, literally nothing could make that look decent. And that's why I just love it so much. Rachel, to be fair, you are a bit of a fan of this film. and I, feel I love that, this film. I feel that actually it's only fair that you witness some of the rants that I received <laughs> earlier on. Ben, t- tell, tell me, I mean, you really enjoyed this this 96 months I, of your life. I hated, I, I hated this movie. Um What's wrong with it? Dear listeners, if you could see Ben's face right now, he looks like a man who's <laughs> recently received some devastating news. <laughs> the, the devastating news is he has to watch the room for, again. For one, the music sounded like it was from the 80s, right? It, it, to me, like I, I kind of work in music a bit and do recording and stuff like that, write music, and it just sounded like somebody had composed this, or maybe not even composed um, ripped it off some website or something and placed it randomly. Like there's bits whenever there are dialogue going on and there's this weird, creepy music going on. I'm like, what, what, what is this? Um, like, yeah, the music is one thing. It sounds like it's from the eighties. It looks like it's from the eighties. Like the whole color of it, you know what I mean? Um, it's got this weird, really warm color. That you don't really expect from something that was supposedly shot 2003. I suspect that was probably something to do with the fact that he was trying to shoot on two different, uh, completely different setups at the same time, and that uh, mm. different lighting setups required, and um, and and you, it's obviously going to look wrong. Yeah, um, don't even get me. St- Started on the story, like <laughs> oh, the story oh, please, just please, wow. please. Let, let's, let's talk about the story. Shall we talk about the story? <laughs> it's so bad. And as a woman here, I have to tell, jump in and go. That is one of the most misogynistic scripts I think <laughs> has ever come out of Hollywood. Yeah. And Hollywood has a problem with misogyny. So I just think it's incredible that that manages to top some of the utter crap that Hollywood's come up with by itself. Yeah, even if you you take that misogyny away, um. There is no coherent dialogue at all. It just sounds like 
gobbledygook whenever every scene um it's it's like your man didn't know how to write english or mm-hmm. or write conversations between people it's it's oh my god it's just so <laughs> yep uh, everything you're saying you're listing it as though it's a bad thing i think yeah, it's all it is a bad <laughs> thing the there there is the there is no charm to that movie <laughs> whatsoever no matter how bad it is like i don't think all the drugs and alcohol in the world could make you like that film if you sat down and watched oh, it's, it. It's it's a lovely film when you're drunk, yeah. And if you play <laughs> drinking games with it as well, I mean, you could end up in a coma very quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, what else? Like, it it, 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 I mean, the 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 script is so nonsensical. I mean, I I realize. Yes, it, it, it's completely nonsensical. There is no co coherent discussions or dialogue between characters. It's is flawed on on so many levels, but we're talking about things like you know the the breast cancer storyline, for example. Storyline? Yes. You mean she, the one time it's mentioned and never referred to ever again? I'm pretty sure in the context of the room, that's what counts as a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> what about Denny at this the first? Let's talk about Denny. Let's, Denny. Talk, let's about, talk about let's, Denny. I think yes, we should. Yes, Denny. Like, what a weird character. I mean, everything about that kid is just off. Um. Uh, you know, it, he's he's sort of your all American sort of kid who Don't who plays luck. yeah who plays Orphan, you know whatever yeah is died. he who who even knows um, he's a pervert yeah, yeah. Who's, who's a pervert I who just watches Johnny watch and Lisa guys. yeah watches Johnny and Lisa have sex also um, uh, selling or addicted to drugs yeah um, which and, doesn't come back it only it's uh, there's that one scene where I think that was to maybe create some action, but... The, uh, Who knows? We see, that, that in itself is one of the reasons I, I find Denny quite a difficult character because it seemed, you know, on the one hand, he is able to go out there and sell drugs and act as, you know, as a, he's a drug runner, basically. Um, but he... Nobody gets. He has this weird naivety about the whole sex thing. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, I, I don't buy your shtick. You know, I don't, no. I don't buy that you don't know that they're about to bone and you want to watch them. I think you're reading far too much confidence into the, the construction of this character. So, um, one of the things I have done <laughs> is uh, watch some of the adaptation for the stage of oh, this. Oh, wonderful. Where they actually go and, and it's sort of, they, 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 they are so self-aware now about these gaps in the, the sort of the storyline structure. They do kind of reason things out. So, for instance, Denny is very aware of what he's doing. He is incredibly <laughs> acutely aware. Um he he definitely is is doing these things. It's, it's, it's quite deliberate. Uh, I mean, it's also turgid and terrible. It's on YouTube, listeners. If you really want to uh, go and subject yourselves to, what uh, would what would you put in the search bar if you wanted to have watch some of this stuff? The room play. The room get, play. Yeah, it should get okay. you. It. There's a really shoddy um, video that's taken from a, a live reading. Shoddy? Surely not. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Tommy plays uh, Tommy plays Johnny all over again, and and there's there's all those sorts of people, but the audience are so. Tommy plays Johnny, well in the in the play in the play as well. Yeah, here's a question. Tommy Tommy is only ever going to play Johnny. Yeah, who who else could play Johnny other than Tommy Wiseau? James Franco. He's playing Tommy Wiseau playing Johnny though. And he's very good at it. There, he oh, he's magnificent. He's absolutely spellbinding. But could anybody else actually play that character? I mean, is that it's iconically now a Tommy Wiseau character? Um, anybody else doing it is doing Tommy Wiseau doing that character, surely? 
it, it, it's it's a peculiar one. I, I do want to kind of us to have we chat about uh, sort of the cult of, of, of Tommy Wiseau um, in a bit. Um, keep um, bring in mind time constraints and everything else. I want to think as well about um, the storyline structure. Now you were at me earlier about the the ending of the film, Ben. Right. Spoilers. If anybody didn't know, we do spoilers on the show. Um, He's getting very good, isn't he? He shoots himself. Right. That I, uh, to be honest, I did not see that coming. But then you look at the reaction of Mark and what's what's the girl's Lisa. name? Lisa. Lisa, uh, of course. Um, you look at their reaction. Johnny's best friend has just walked in and sees his, his best friend lying dead. He's committed suicide on the floor. And his reaction is like, what reaction? <laughs> there There is no reaction. And Lisa, she's gurning all. She... She's the main cause of all this as well. Um, but her reaction and then them two is like, oh, Lisa we can uh, says to Mark, we can be together, you know, we're free of, of Johnny now. And then uh, Mark's like, you know, get away from me, you tramp. And then Denny runs in and then he's just, go, leave us alone, get out of here. And then they walk to the stairs, stand and look at him. And then come back. It's just see you're thinking all oh, very very rationally. Yes, you are it trying to make no, you're trying to make no something sense. make sense that it doesn't, doesn't make any even sense. The reactions, it's you, so bad. Like the act, like if your best friend, you walked in and you just seen your best friend com, had mm-hmm. to commit suicide, you'd be devastated. You're not aware of how this film was meant to end originally, are you? Oh. No. Was there an alternate ending? There was an even better alternate ending that he just couldn't work out how to film. So, so he's just going to shoot everyone? So, was, no, no, no. Oh, no. no. It's right. You know the way you're trying to make this make sense? Yeah. Over to you, Robert. So, Johnny. Right. Was going to be a vampire. And drive off into the San Francisco skyline in his flying car. No oh, yeah. word of a lie. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a better movie? I mean, well, actually, it would have been. It would have been the same movie, though. Let's be honest. It would have been. Oh, the, but what a payoff! What a payoff! By that point, it just—it wouldn't even have been that weird that he was a vampire with a flying car. I, I, he was I, walking in daylight and stuff. You know, was, was he old school vampire? Was again, he new school vampire? I, I, again, I don't you're know. trying to make this make sense. You're trying to you're trying to impose should, some should kind I of reason. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> never try and make it make sense. Oh God! Right. I, I, I again, I wish that people could see your face, Ben. And <laughs> what about these sex scenes? Oh, like yeah. The first five, well, I don't know, five seven minutes into the movie, Lisa and Johnny are bucking. Yeah. Right. With his big hairy arse. Yeah. His, well, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to his arse, <laughs> but like I was thinking to myself, how big is your dick? Like, <laughs> look at the way you're. Like, yeah. Adults know how to, you know, what's what's the word? Well, it, it's it's that line, that lovely line from the disaster artist. You know, he does know where her vagina is, doesn't he? <laughs> Why yeah. is he fucking her belly button? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and then later on, there's another sex scene. Well, there's the sex scene with Mark, and then Johnny and Lisa again, and it's exactly the same. It's just been cut and pasted. Again, it's like I think for me, I mean, the the sex scenes are kind of pretty much like a lot of the rest of the film. It, it it's it's Tommy. It doesn't it, serve it, any purpose. No, no it, it doesn't. No, but what it, what it definitely. does is it allows Tommy's ego to kind of just be really gratuitously indulged. I mean, mm. that man is is 
this film is very much his film. It's, it, mm-hmm. I still think that it's it, it's a film that's about his experiences. Somebody oh, yeah. went and screwed him over. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's. I, it, I don't know if it's it's actually confirmed or not, but um, I think that's the, the opinion of most of the cast these days mm. is that um, somebody really screwed him over, or or he perceived them to have screwed him over. Yeah, the the disaster artist kind of um, more spoilers uh, suggests that it's. Lisa is basically the embodiment of the universe and Tommy just feels that everyone's out to get him but I think actually it, it's so bitter and it's so angry and he's so kind of constantly you know how much he's been betrayed I think mm. it, it's definitely a, an ex-girlfriend who has gone and, and gone off with somebody else yeah and the fact that, that the uh, Johnny character is portrayed as just being like the, the nicest the, the person best the, person yeah. that has ever existed yeah gives um, money to everyone yeah, supports everyone favourite favorite customer of that particular florist certainly yeah. <laughs> right, that that, that well, you would be if you came into the shop every, like every yeah, day and bought the, 12 roses the, the, and, and appreciated her dog yeah yeah, I'm sorry. She doesn't recognise him when he walks in. He looks like this huge fucking creep. And the woman doesn't recognise him. And yet he's the best customer. I'm sorry. The, the, the whole storyline is so, so messed up. Nothing makes sense in it. That's, that's why I think... I mean, I was having a conversation about this earlier on um, today with my husband, who is the person who introduced me to the room. Um, uh, he, he's just gone down to my estimation so much. <laughs> he was actually afraid that I'd never want to speak to him again after yeah. we watched it together. I and I, Does he I, like this movie? We both love this movie. Yeah, we both love this movie for all of the reasons why you guys hate it. Um <laughs> Oh my god! But You've I was got, having this conversation. Second twisted, I tell we you. We are our own little people. Um, we were having this conversation this morning, and I, I think we both sort of reckon that the reason why it fails beautifully, as opposed to just failing, is because when films, when ho- when a Hollywood film fails creatively, it's usually the result of uh, failure by committee. I mean, you've usually had a bunch of executive producers and writers and possibly a couple of directors and maybe the actors weighing in on what needs to change and where it needs to change. So the thing just becomes this absolutely unwieldy chimera that just can't satisfy on any kind of creative level. The room fails because Tommy Wiseau is so gloriously incompetent at every creative aspect of it. Um, It is absolutely 100% his baby and nobody else has any kind of creative input into it. And that's why the, the failure is so epic and so glorious it's not it's it's not a failure of cynicism it's not a failure of dear god we must make this movie make money at all costs it's a failure of just his passion completely obscuring the fact that he can't do any of these things except he can because the man is minted yes he's uh, minted so he doesn't have to care what anybody else says well, i mean it's, it's it's a pretty good example of what i've you know how films get made in Hollywood. If you've got the money, which how, he, how did, did he like? Did he back this movie so yeah. himself? So now we're going to get into the, the oh, Tommy Wiseau mythology, the, the, yes. the, the, the mythos, the myth. I mean, it's a myth now because it's down that bloody book. Um, um, well, I think we're we're talking about sort of mythos rather than myth. Mm. I mean, or or mystery. Um, it, I mean, the idea for most people, I mean, the, the disaster artist kind of finishes up with um, uh, this line that like, nobody really knows how old Tommy is. Nobody knows where he's from. He's just this kind of weird figure. Nobody knows where he gets his money from. Yeah. Um, nobody really knows anything about his, his backstory. So, uh, you know, th- 
that's part of the, and I think that's why, I mean, a lot of the reviews of The Disaster Artist, the, the guys that didn't really like it very much, uh, seem to be sort of picking on the fact that there are no answers in the film. Well, there are no answers in real life. That's part of the, the Tommy Wiseau mythos, is that nobody knows who this guy is. I mean, that's clearly not his real name. Um He's not anything like the age he claims to be. Um, he has this mysterious source of almost endless cash that nobody knows where it comes from. He's definitely not American, but where is he from? Um, Do you know the answers to any of these questions? No, no. That's what I love about it. I mean, it's just it's just wonderfully insane. So I, I'm going to dispel some of the mythology here. Ooh. Because it's it's bugging the hell out of me. I don't Mythbusters? <laughs> yeah, Mythbusters style. So I've been doing a bit of digging, um, based on the research that other people have been also doing. So it appears that Tommy is now sixty two. Um he was born nineteen fifty five, October nineteen fifty five in Poland. Poland, okay. Yeah. Uh, there's been lots of research that's done on this. The way that the dialogue is written, the way that he speaks, um, a number of Polish people have also said this is exactly the way to do it. The drink that he serves apparently is based on a Polish drink. What the the little cocktail thing he does? It's a Polish cocktail. Do, do you not mean Lisa does? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Obviously, he wrote it. He so. because he doesn't drink. Yeah. Um, except for that one time where he does. And that no, what, twice because on his birthday he drinks. So clearly he drinks. He just lies about it. But anyway, so it, he, it did he, not. It did not. He he's Polish. Um, his uh, uncle came out to the states in 1946, so just after the war, and actually. Local fact, folks, uh, his uncle came through Belfast. Hey! Really? Yeah, uh, came from Poland to New York via Liverpool and Belfast. Oh, so he was here for... Yeah, his, his uncle was on the way over. But I, I thought that's a nice little local connection. Like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That, that's, that's enough for us to claim him, surely. I, I, I think, yeah, Tommy, Tommy clearly was destined for these shores. I yeah. don't think he's been here yet, but Tommy we should... Tommy Wise, a Belfast lad. Um, so, yes, so he, he's, he's... I mean, so that means he's about 48 by the time he does this film. Which is quite worrying in many respects, you know. He's <laughs> for what particular reasons, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, the, the enumerate. In, enumerate. So, if you watch the Disaster Artist, the Disaster Artist makes a big play about Tommy hanging out with these younger, much younger, kind of just leaving adolescence, late teens, early twenties, hanging yeah. out with them. That the whole character of Lisa. Uh, and the way that character is used as a kind of sex object, basically. I mean, you we were chatting about this on the way over, and, and you picked up on, on sort of like Lisa's not really got any function no. other than to be a bit... A cum dumpster. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly that might push us too far above the water. We, we, we've got an explicit warning on this show. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, like, I, I don't like the terminology, but actually, yeah. yes, basically within the context of this script, she does nothing other than, than she's a sex object. Yeah. yeah. Um, she is... Well, she's more than a sex object. She is the embodiment of, of um, female duplicity. She's the embodiment of why women are evil, basically. Why women are evil, a treatise by Tommy Wiseau. I think that pretty much sums up the room. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish we'd just done that line at the start. We could, yeah, we, we could have saved, could have saved <laughs> so much time. Um, so yeah, so I mean, there, there is this sort of mythology. Uh, supposedly, he got his uh, part of his money came from importing coats from Korea, leather coats, coats leather coats, buying and selling. Um, but I mean, his his it, clearly he was already he, he already had a bit of money. He'd already been around quite a while. He'd also done some property investment, apparently. Um, 
the mythology about him is still is perpetuated and a lot of the articles just ignore what research has been done because at the end of the day people like the idea of of sort of um, the mystery they like the mystery um, it's a much better story to tell well it is it's a good story to tell and I also don't think that and I mean the reason why a lot of the sort of where his um, his his money comes from um, research isn't really picked up is I don't think it it explains particularly convincingly how he has an unlimited bank account um, for the financing of a six million dollar movie plus um, nice houses in in both in two of the most expensive cities in the entire world um, plus the the ability to never really apparently do a day's work plus etc 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 nice cars oh and- there's definitely something else going on with him but is he a Scientologist it's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, shall it, we shall we not get sued by exploring <laughs> that in this podcast? Pr- particularly seeing as like the, the they seem the, to the, have a lot of money. The, the, <laughs> they do, they do. Um, his background supposedly is Catholic, um, and it's, it's Polish Catholics, mm. and um, his th- th- there is still an awful lot of mystery. You know, there's an awful lot of records that are not uh, easily searched at the moment, and Americans are usually a little bit easier to to hunt out than than, than sort of people on this side of the pond. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I, th- I think that kind of mystery is part of the reason why people have sort of get caught up in the film because there's a lot that's unknown about him. And when you start knowing these things, um, they somehow lose a little bit of appeal. Like, so I, I watch this and I think of Ed Wood. Hmm. You know, I, I watch this disaster artist, I think of Ed Wood. Um, you see The Room and I think of Plan 9 from Outer Space and just by every other Ed Wood film. Ed Wood was like Wazo, rather an earnest. Um, you know, an earnest director. He really believed that. You know, he he was capable of doing stuff. He was pretty terrible, mm. um, but some good marketing, some good branding, some good gimmicks, uh, and, and so they kind of become interesting. I in, think in Tommy Wiseau makes Edward look competent, quite frankly. Well, yeah, Edward is. I mean, it's the people around Tommy that that kind of make this film work. Um, on that note, I also think of. Um, a bunch of directors I think of, but I want to kind of give you a quote. So I was reading an interview with Tommy from the Portland Mercury, and he was asked, what other filmmakers are you inspired by? And he says, I love this little bit of egotism, um, I inspire myself every day of my existence, but my creativity is connected to the creativity of Tennessee Williams, Orson Welles, Hitchcock and others, because we are on the same page. That... Ladies and gentlemen, wow. is how he sees himself. He yeah, what is... are you going to do with with that kind of ego? I mean, there's there's literally no other way that that kind of ego can play out when it has unlimited funds in anything other than the room. This, this reminds me of um, James uh, Nagan, who did Birdemic, which, if you haven't seen, is like this. It's another one of those worst films ever made, ever come out of celluloid, and he basically sees himself as Hitchcock. You know, he he basically rips on Hitchcock the whole way through. Just Hitchcock's The Birds has done an adaptation of Vertigo, is similarly awful, like absolutely awful. So, can you give me a list of films not to watch? <laughs> uh, yeah, we after can, uh, after uh, after, uh, <laughs> after being subjected to this. <laughs> well, to be fair, Robert and I are going to disagree on quite a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, I seem to have similar tastes to my brother, so yeah, anything Rachel says is good or okay, right? It's not. I say this as somebody who actually quite liked Batman versus Superman, so, you know. I haven't seen it, so. 
Oh, well, you probably I, I, would hate it in that case. I can't pass any judgment there. Um, I, I've got a little quote that I'd like to, to yeah. add to. This is by Tom Tom Bissell. Tom Bissell. I'm not sure how his surname is pronounced. The guy that collaborated with Greg Sestero on um, the writing of The Disaster Artist, the book. Um, I think this, this, this sums up to me the room and and why I enjoy it so much. He says, it is like a movie made by an alien who has never seen a movie, but has had movies thoroughly explained to him. There's not often that a work of film has every creative decision that's made in it on a moment by moment basis seemingly be the wrong one. The room, to me, shatters the distinction between good and bad. Do I think it's a good movie? No. Do I think it's a strong movie that moves me on the level that art normally moves me? Absolutely not. But I can't say it's bad because it's so watchable. It's so fun. It's brought me so much joy. How can something that's bad do those things for me? That's how I feel about the room. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he obviously has seen movies, though, and yet he still can't. Um, uh, is this his? Uh, was this his? This first... is not. This is not even his first attempt at making a film. Right. So there's other. Uh, yeah. There are there are there are a couple other ones I think. Um, um, certainly, he's done more since then. He's he's, done, he's it. done more since then. Yeah, on the back of the room. I I do not for a second believe this is his first time. Um, it's well, I, no, not at, not at forty eight. Not at forty eight with that well, kind of money. Um, he'd only recently apparently discovered that he wanted to be in films. I think it is. I think he might have been in a couple of shorts possibly before that. But um, I'm sorry, the man uh, seemingly had a house in L.A. And I do not for a second believe that he was living in L.A. for a time and not being connected with that film world. I think that he has kept whatever else went on pretty well hidden. Um, filmography, his first credit is The Room. Well, there you go. Oh, well, there you go. And in fact, he doesn't even have um, a TV or a documentary credit before The Room. It's The Room. Would anybody have cast him in anything ever? No, I wouldn't have. Exactly. Demonstrably appalling at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, if you believe the disaster artist, he sees himself as a hero, not as the the mm. villain that he everyone else thinks he should be, because um, mm. he looks like a villain. So actually, a vampire would be particularly well suited to him. I I can't get over that's how he wanted to end that film. I want to see that that second film that takes on after he's gone in the car, flapping around. He still could come back. There could be a room too. I mean, if he is a vampire, yeah, he, he, he just, shot himself. He, he just come back. Yeah, just I've, come back. To I've life seen again. enough Dracula films to know this is how yeah, this works. You, you don't die unless you get a stick through the heart. That's it. Exposure to sunlight, which he's been doing the whole way through, and that hasn't yeah. affected him. So who knows? I see. Well, then, like, when was Twilight written? Because he could be one of those new age vampires, you know, sparkly ones. Spark I sparkly. Post, I think it postdates the room. I, I could see Tommy Wiseau and yeah. some sparklies. Yeah. Could you? Can you not? I kind of don't want to. I kind of want the room to remain this perfect, precious specimen of, of just... I don't want to know what happens next. So I want that to be it. Ready? And action! What line? What is line? I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Okay. Action! What is line? Take 13. Action. I did not hit her. I. Okay, okay. Line. 
I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Take 67. Action. I hit her. No. Do you want to change the line? You're doing great, man. We'll get there. Action. 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 I have to say it loud. I can't hear it in here. Say action so I can hear it. Okay. Action. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Speaking of this perfect special <laughs> specimen, have you seen The Room with an audience? I have not seen The Room with an okay, audience. Um, you, we clearly haven't. No, um, we, so, we I haven't. would love to. So this is one of the things, I mean, The Room, I gather, has uh, garnered something reputation for being uh, the latest in sort of, the latest cult in interactive cinema experiences. Now, I don't know, Ben, if you have ever been no, to a I've, film that I've has an interactive never, element. Never. I sure have. You have. So most people, their experience is going to be Rocky Horror Picture Show at some point uh, with its shadow casts. And if you're really lucky, um, doesn't happen in Northern Ireland because basically our cinemas are too posh. Uh, but if you go somewhere else, like the Chuck stuff and this or- organic material being thrown around a flea pit. I'm sure I saw, I'm sure I saw an interactive uh, Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show screening at the Grand Opera House. Or maybe it was just a sing-along. So usually there's just wasn't a full interactive. Well, Rocky Horror is usually a shadow cast that are doing kind of the, the wisecracks, and there'll be Whoa. some stuff. But what you, why I've always heard about them, and I got to, I saw a couple of years ago in Paris um, a shadow cast there, but it was like throwing the rice, it was throwing mm. the water, it was it was the full full works in the dingiest of cinemas I think I've ever gone into. That's kind of fun. Birdemic I saw. Um, in, in Bradford about oh, that must be a decade ago now and we were all given coat hangers because there's a scene where basically these birds are attacking and they fight back using coat hangers right so we were given the coat hangers signed by the director and we're kind of fighting back as the, the, the birds come on to the film at a certain point that doesn't sound as much fun as Rocky Horror Show or, or The Room it's actually. not The Room okay so yeah. um oh, remind us what happens in the, for audiences in The Room watching well, this you, you throw spoons at the screen you flip through spl- plastic spoons at the screen because there is a picture in in the room, um, in the the living room that they they occupy, of a spoon, a, a framed picture of a spoon for no reason whatsoever. It's I, just there. I, I'd heard that basically um, somebody forgot to get photographs for the frames, so what they had to do instead was use spoons. Spoons. They put spoons okay. in the frame instead. Um, and Six million dollars. And didn't have yeah. a photograph of himself. Oh, come on. It's $6 million on one of the most incompetent anyway. But but um, yeah, so spoons, you throw spoons and you also, you chuck a football around during the key moments where they play football for no good reason as well, particularly in tuxedos. Um, and I, I believe <laughs> you're supposed to interact. The bit interact. in the park? The bit in the park? Yeah. Uh, what about the bit in the alleyway? So football in the alleyway? Football in the alleyway, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. That's marvellous in tuxedos. What was the what? other one, the other bit? You said there was something else that people do. Uh, they, they, um, I think they, they're, they're encouraged to interact with the dialogue, um, or to, to shout their opinions. About, yes, yeah. Which is, which is clearly like that. That draws its inspiration from Rocky Horror Rocky as well, Horror, because of course, Rocky. Yeah. Horror, so I mean, if you're not aware, um, people aren't always aware. Um, Rocky Horror has developed this kind of cult thing where there, there's a whole other second script that has been devised by fans, fans of the film, and they're encouraged by some groups. 
to uh, shout out these lines, usually wisecracks and, and sarcasms um, and heckles, which, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's a very, very American phenomenon. It's kind of like the mystery, mystery science mm. theater mm. um kind of mentality really isn't it yeah i actually don't know where it comes from at all um i've i've literally no i've literally no idea where it comes from um this this kind of interactivity i don't know anything about the the uh, early time it's it's, it's a, so it, it does seem to be something that's sort of particularly risen up in the 1970s and rocky horror was the big example since mm. then there have been various attempts at um i suppose emulating this I, I suppose it's a way of kind of if you find a film so unbearable, yeah, it might make it a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> you know, like that, that. It's do a couple of lines or something. You know, smoke something fun on the way in. Drink a lot. Is and, there a suggestion and, that Rocky Horror was found unbearable, and that's where that came from? Because I always thought that people quite liked it. Um. Yeah, I think in the states, people kind of picked huge holes with the plotline pretty early on. Oh, and well, as it was fine, do, as it was doing but, the rounds and and. Some of the characters are are laughable. I, well, they're I mean, supposed it, it, to be, though. But it definitely came from the states that 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 side of things. It wasn't happening in Britain, but whatever it was going through the colleges and the way that they were then responding. So they're kind of being sarcastic back. Audiences in the UK generally are quite quiet when they watch a film. They'll yeah. kind of sit there, film will play, and um, they go home. So I mean, there is this kind of cult that's the sort of. Um, it's picking up around around the room now, and 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 sort of what I I, I kind of want to know is, like, why is this film getting audiences so worked up and and excited in a way that something arguably of more merit does not? Um, because that is really the only way to enjoy it. Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm okay. I'm not going to answer such a broad sort of um, socio cultural phenomenon with with um, any kind of easy answer there of course but um, I mean it has its its roots in the earliest screenings of this film um, you know it goes back to when the film was released um, he couldn't get a distributor for it because it's manifestly dreadful um, and so he paid to to keep it in um, a, a theatre in Los Angeles for the two weeks that it would require the film to have been shown for it to be eligible for Oscar consideration. This, yeah. this is true. He this paid, is, what? He paid, yes. He, yeah. he paid to keep it in the theatre for two weeks because it had to be showing for two weeks continuously for in order for it to be eligible for considerations for the Academy Awards. I, I love the idea that this film in some yeah. way may have been eligible for yeah. an Oscar. Well, Again, Ben's face is just brilliant. <laughs> But what, what what I think, I mean, if, he, if he's playing a long game, though, The Disaster Artist has been nominated for some Golden Globes. Yeah. We have not had the Oscar nominations out yet, have we? Uh, no, we haven't yet for the, for is, the Oscar is, is there actually a slim possibility for The Disaster uh, James, Artist? James Franco should absolutely get a nomination because that's mesmerising his performance. In which case... In some respects, those two weeks paying to have that film kept on for Oscar. Well, absolutely, because those two fil- those two weeks for that film that that film was sitting in that cinema when it was making a grand total of eighteen hundred dollars 
total box office for a six million dollar film. Um, those were the, the the two weeks in which um, the the first guys came along and saw it and went, oh my god, that was terrible. I've forgotten the guy's name, but he then brought his friends back and said, look, you've got to come and see this film. We're going to shout abuse at the screen. Um, and, Ma- and Michael and, Rosalie. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, we're going to shout abuse at the screen. We're just going to completely rip the piss out of it as we're watching it because it's really enjoyable to do that. And that's where that that phenomenon of interactivity with the room came about. And that's what ultimately saved it. I mean, it became famous as a film that was so bad that you had to just go and rip the piss out of it. And that's what people enjoyed. I think that's where the disaster artist is really quite disingenuous. They imply that it's it's, uh, immediately um, a success in as much as people hated it so hard that they loved it absolutely not what happened at all people just hated it there was a sign in the, the, the cinema saying no refunds um, and apparently below the, the sign they had a quote from um, a review of the film which said it's like being stabbed repeatedly in the head um, so do you know it was hated it wasn't even hated in a good way when it was released it was just hated um, and it took this Michael Rousselet just to, to go along um, and and basically discover a way to enjoy it. Um, And I think sometimes all it takes is one person to go, ah, but see it through this lens, tilt your head slightly to this degree, watch it from this angle, and you've actually got a piece of of, uh, cinematic work that is enjoyable on a completely different level. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, I've I've met and interviewed Michael, um, and he... uh, I mean, for whatever he sees in this film, I, I and whatever you see in this film, that I, I still cannot see. Um, this is a bad film that was probably made intentionally as a good film, yes. but is terrible. Michael has, has has actually taken this a step further, and he's made a deliberately bad film um, called Dude Bro Party Massacre Three, which I recommend. Actually, it's <laughs> it's much better than it sounds. Um, and you know, so the, and actually, they cast Greg as well. So Greg, Greg's that's in that film. Right, yes. Um, so that's yes, Mark that's and the, Mark right. and in. That's what I was going to say. Have any of the actors in this movie? Yeah, got work from being in this movie. Uh, yeah, I think they. I think they have. Maybe not heaps of work. Um, but th- as far as I'm aware, really the only person who's got work on the back of the movie is Tommy and Greg, um, and and purely because of the. Uh, the level of fan interaction with it um, has led to them getting work spoofing themselves. Am I not right? I, I think you probably are should have done more looking into this. Um, I kind of don't really want to consciously follow any of their careers. <laughs> oh, I think, yeah, I think that's unfair to Greg Sestero. I think he was a serious actor, um, remains a serious actor. Um, and, and sort well, of, I suppose, you know, you, you got to work with what you're given. And if you're given a terrible script... He didn't want to be in the film. He wasn't supposed to be in the film no, either. No, awful direction. I mean, I, 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 Greg, I don't mind. I, I don't mind. And I can't remember her name. The girl plays Lisa. Uh, Juliet Danielle. I actually, yeah, I think actually she's not bad, but what? she's. I know you don't like her. I, I, I There's not much that she could have done with that. No. To be fair, it's like she's competent enough for what she has to do. Um, the lines are that terrible, her, but I that's think that not. Was her first straight off the bus. Straight off the bus, yeah. Um, first arrival in LA here, being my softcore porn. Um, <laughs> the grandmother's terrible. Uh, the, mother, the, mother. the mother, the mother, the mother. <laughs> she, she's, she's awful. Denny is, is awful. Again, none of them have anything to work with, though. I mean, I don't think that's. A, I don't think it's fair to assess their acting capacity based on 
on that film. Um, and by the end of it, they all basically thought nobody was ever going to see it, so they were phoning it in. So the guy that played Mark was Greg? Greg Sestero, yeah. Right, so he wrote a film or...? So a number of years after, um, he was he was an actor with um, sort of serious aspirations in Hollywood. Well, so, so was Tommy Wiseau, I suppose. It's not fair to, to claim that he wasn't. But Greg Sister was perhaps an actor with potential to, to have a sort of a career in Hollywood. Yeah. And that got completely derailed. By, because of this movie? By the movie, yes. Right. Um, it being sort of his major credit. So a number of years after, I think around about 2011 thereabouts, he wrote a book with um, sort of a, a journalist guy, Tom Bissell, um, and they wrote a book called The Disaster Artist uh, about his experiences of making um, the room, the room. Um, on the back of the sort of the enormous popularity that the the, the film had got on kind of the cult circuit and the midnight yeah. circuit, yeah. Um, and that's the film. That's the book that's recently just been adapted into this film, The Disaster Artist, which um, has just been released last month. Does um, he does he star in this? Uh, no, it's actually one of the things I think that they're missing out on. He should have played himself in the film, but instead Do you think was... he'd be too old to play himself now? Although I suppose... <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, enough, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tommy is, is how old? <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough, yeah. Um, I actually... I, I'm not convinced that the casting of Dave Franco was right for the role of Greg Sestero. I understand why it happened. I think James Franco, nobody else could have played that role. James Franco is Tommy Wiseau in, in The Disaster Artist. It's to, absolutely mesmerising. To the point where there's a scene at the end of the film, if you hang around, where Tommy Wiseau is in it. And Tommy, the actual Tommy, yeah, the actual yeah. Tommy, and and James Franco are kind of Johnny Depp look for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. It's but but they, they they basically have a share scene together, and it's it, it's pretty spot on. Yeah. There's also a few stay around and watch the end credits. The, the, the end. side by side comparisons <laughs> of the scenes from the room and the scenes as they shot them in the Disaster Artist. It's actually incredible. It's, I, it's I, very I wish... acutely observed. I, have they done the whole? Uh, what I'd love to know is have they actually shot the have whole, shot film, the whole again? film? I want to see that version. I kind of. I wish they'd had more in the Disaster Artist about the actual filming of the room. Mm. I feel like they did a lot of of kind of lead up, um, and then some. They kind of the third act where it's released and and it sort of it gains um, cult status, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, they're kind of the emotional beats there, but they miss out. I mean, the, the comedy for me is is in the filming of the room. The the trailers I think made it look like a, a much sharper critique than it actually is. It's very gentle, actually, yeah. and I find that's that's strange. I mean, as somebody, I know you haven't read the book that it's based on, but I I read and loved the book that it's based on, um, and it's much more critical of Tommy as a person um, than than the film um, ends up being. I mean, the film is actually quite gentle um, on, on Tommy. It makes him, to me, a much more sympathetic character than he comes across from the book. Hmm. The, um, the way you're talking about the, the actual filming, um, the thing that got me... Uh, I don't. I don't know. Is this in the Disaster Artist? Anything about the the land? You know, the weird cityscape shots, and you know oh, the, the the green screen stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's one of the, the bizarre things that he did was was to actually shoot this. <laughs> Why not just go on top of a roof? Exactly. exactly. Why not shoot on location? He would have saved himself it's a like, lot of money. Like the and, alleyway. Yeah. Like the, the alleyway, which is, 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 is they have this nice bit in the film where it's like, you know, why don't we shoot in the alleyway? Which is there, literally right outside the studio. It looks just like this. And in the disaster artist, it's like, it's real Hollywood movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he has, and that's 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 from the book as well. It's this this 
this this um, insistence that he has that in order for it to be a genuine Hollywood movie, um, you have to shoot on a set as opposed to on location, even when the set doesn't look that convincing. Uh, I mean, the first time I saw the room, um, I actually thought they were inside in the alleyway scene. It made no sense to me whatsoever because it's lit as though it's inside and it, it doesn't yeah. look like an alley. <laughs> it's it, the, the whole film is generally lit like a like a sitcom or a soap. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. It has this color to it that, that yeah. I, I find. It's it's like you're watching Friends. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of the vibe that it gets. And I mean, that that is, is which we sort of said earlier, it's part of the limitations of shooting a 35mm. Um, the film... As it was released, we only ever saw the 35mm footage, but he shot it in HD as well. So it's these two cameras mounted side by side. Um, and his whole idea was he wanted to be the first guy to shoot a film in both formats simultaneously. Which you can't do. Basically, you just you just <laughs> you, can't do it for all kinds of reasonable, practical, sound, logical reasons. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a noob. I don't know anything about filming or anything That's like that. That's not entirely true, Ben. <laughs> Well, I'm, haven't you been on that TV series, Game uh, of Thrones? Uh, maybe once or twice, yeah. Has everybody in here been on Game of Thrones except for me? <sighs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was no H- HD release of this? No. no. For, for some reason, I mean, he hasn't... Uh, whether the footage just was, was terrible? I would say it was unusable. You can't but, light <laughs> for, for 35mm and HD simultaneously. Uh, whatever the deal was, um, he's never released that way. I think also because, uh, bearing in mind the the arguments he seems to have for shooting in a set, I actually suspect that his his um, mentality was that the big film directors, the Orson Welles, is the Hitchcocks, um, See, and right. real Hollywood movies shot on film back in two thousand and three. Yeah, HD was mm. in, but it was more like a TV thing. And for him to have a theatre release, you wanted to do it on film. So mm. I think that's why he wanted to do it. It's also why the film is so bloody expensive. Um, one of the reasons why it was so sorry, bloody expensive. One, one of. <laughs> Also, the fact he fired everybody and kept rehiring them, and bought all his camera equipment. Yeah, he bought it all. We yeah. bought it all. Yeah, he bought it all. Most people hire it. He bought it. Could he not have invested in you know some kind of moving? Yeah, right. You know what I find about the the movie that's really kind of jarring as well is all the static s- static camera shots. You know, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, there's no, there's no tracking and panning. There's no tracking and, no. or you know nothing yeah. like that. It's all just. Well, apparently he kept he kept missing his mark as well <laughs> on camera. He kept missing his mark, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they if they initially had tried to do tracking and panning, but yeah. they just couldn't guarantee that Tommy was well, going to be in the right place. It's like he's went back mm. and set up the camera. I want to hear, and then you know walked you know, pre- pressed the record button. You know, lights, camera, action, and then started his you know. I suppose that's probably not an unreasonable assumption for yeah. a lot of those shots. It's it's just I don't know. It could have been way better. If, uh, I don't know, that might have added something to it. And it could have been way better if it had a completely different script. Yeah, different actor, different everything. Well, disaster artist. Obviously, I haven't seen it. Um, is any of that picked up on? You know, like the, no, not not the technicalities in that sense. No. I mean, there's a little bit about the the actual kind of thinking behind you know buying his equipment and, and sort of shooting HD and 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 35 mil. There's hints about him changing his whole crew. Which, yeah, which I don't think um, it's, I, again, I would, that's part of my issue with, oh, issue, I mean, I have minor issues with the disaster artist. I loved the disaster artist. Um, I mean, they, they, they don't talk about the, the change of, of pretty much every actor that was on yeah, that film either. Which yeah. it, I mean, Greg Sestero was not initially supposed to play Mark. He was supposed to be the producer and he uh, he saw that as kind of his safety net as his, like the serious actor. He was only going to be the producer. His face wasn't going to be on screen. Um, like literally, I think the day of shooting or the day before 
negotiating something as, as last minute as that. Tommy Wiseau fired the guy who was all set to play Mark and insisted that Greg step in and, and take the role. The girl that played Lisa um, had already, Lisa had already shot a day and then she was fired and then he got a new girl. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, he he fired most of the crew at least once. I mean the the Sandy guy um, that's that's um, Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen in the film. Yeah. In the film, um, basically that Disaster guy was. sued to have uh, a directorial credit for it because he ended up doing the directing work. He got fired before the end of it as well um, because these people kept saying to him, "You can't do this. You can't do this." And he wasn't going to hear that he couldn't do it. Yeah, well, obviously he was backing it. So he, he'd he's be he's an egomaniac. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what's pretty clear. I mean, uh, Rachel, you, you said that the book is is far harsher than the yeah. film is. The film kind of hints at it. Uh, definitely, disaster artist. You get yeah, this sense they, they this they man kind of, is. They, is they give. A, sorry to interrupt you there, but they they do give him this really strong, um, sympathetic, redemptive arc in the film, and and he's allowed to ha- kind of be humanized in the film in a way that the book just doesn't allow for. Because uh, I don't think. Yeah. Because by the end of the film, he's sort of, uh, mostly thanks to, to Greg, um, he's kind of realised that people love your film. You know, it's 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 like they're, they're enjoying it. They're laughing with you. It may not be in your intention, but that's it. And he sort of just embraces it. Now, certainly in retrospect, uh, Tommy has indeed sort of said this was always intended as a, 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 black, a, a comedy. black comedy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But <laughs> well, he said this. He says this now because yeah. that's the. I mean, the, the cult that is built around this film is very much that this is a comedy feature, mm. and so now he kind of says it was always intended as a comedy, but it's pretty clear it wasn't. It was intended as a bitter. Uh, you know, treaties on the great American movie. He in, wanted to make the great American movie. Um, he wanted to do a Tennessee Williams, basically. Yeah. Um, and he, he genuinely believed that's what he was doing. So what you should also know, Ben, um, is that this started off life as uh, as a play script and a novel. So it was meant to be a play, and it was a novel. It was like a 500-page novel, which I don't think has been published yet. No, it never got published, no. There was a play, an epic right. play, okay. a 500-page novel, and then the film. And he has kind of, re- because he's been interviewed so many times as well, he has rewritten the history of this production and sort of says that it was the deliberate intention for him to make the film rather than, than everything else. Um, that's clearly not the case at all. So um, I want to wrap this up because as much as I enjoy talking about the room. <laughs> talking. Uh, uh, I, I can't wait for the ride home tonight. I would, I would, <laughs> ben, are, are you ever going to waste any more of your life watching this? No, for yes, no, no way, no way in hell would I ever watch this again. No, I might watch it this evening. Um, I, I would say to people, don't bother watching the room. Do pick up the disaster artist at some point. It's a fascinating little little film. It's a nice wee film. Oh, also play the video game of the room. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, well, that, there's a video, video game. game. That's great crack. It's one of those sixteen bit um kind of choose your own adventure type things it's enormous crack you've got to collect spoons okay (laughs) I finally look you've piqued his interest that's the first time I do like video games but uh, first time all show Ben has actually kind of (laughs) started looking pleased that just that just surprises me you know somebody's went out of their way to make a video game on that's the level of love people have for this film so regardless of of sort of how you actually feel about the film um, there's genuinely a lot of love for it for whatever insane reason that people do they do love it Um, um, Tommy Wiseau obviously has built his own mythology and he will continue to do so. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think anything is ever going to reach this sort of peak, but it's been interesting to kind of be part of. Um, I think next show we will come back down to something a little bit more um, 
cerebral and classic and sensible. I think next show I'm getting severely punished with a film that I hate. I, I, I can't guarantee it, but I think it is my turn next time, isn't it? Oh, dear. I can't wait till I get my turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you very much, folks, for listening yet again. Um, I'm uh, Robert J. Simpson, and of course, we've been joined today by uh, Dr. Rachel Kelly. Thank you. And Ben Simpson. Thanks very much. And uh, don't forget to interact with us on the World Wide Web. Uh, we are out there now. We are on Twitter at CinePunked. We are we have a website, www.cinepunked.com, and you'll find us on Facebook and other places as well. Um, if you have any thoughts, uh, fire them through. If you love The Room... Tell me. Tell Rachel. Spare the rest of us. Um, yeah, and... We would like to hear uh, your your thoughts and comments on on the room i i would like to read some of those see if anyone shares my hate or not back me up here guys i've been defending this <laughs> film all the way through this podcast with two men who completely detest it so um join us again next time um subscribe to us itunes everywhere else uh you know the drill by now um talk to you soon these are for you. The best movie of the year. I don't love him anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Experience this quirky new black comedy. You have my money, right? I treat you like a princess. And you stab me in the back. It's a riot. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! A film with the passion of Tennessee Williams. The Room. Directed by Tommy Wiseau. Rated R. Experience this quirky new black comedy. Coming soon near you.